not really, but you know, as the bigger man of the two of us, then why not? So, uh, firstly, welcome to the show, whatever the show is, whatever the show is going to be called. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess that's what we're here to find out, eh? Well, if we don't know it by the end, we'll know it by the time that you know this reaches the masses out there. So, uh, my name's Brad, uh, Brit Brad, Brad Bradley. Um, as the accent may suggest, uh, I'm based in the UK. Uh, and I'm joined by my other good friend, who's uh, also Brad. Hello, everyone. I'm also Brad. A couple of Brads here. Um, as the accent may or may not give away, from Canada. Although I'm currently based in Germany. So I guess I'll bring a sort of a North American uh, perspective uh, transplanted to, to Europe. A fish out of water, we'll say, um, in that sense. But I bring that aspect to the show. And what do you say, Brad? I mean, we got together, decided to, you know, we fancied ourselves a, a couple of interesting dudes with some yeah, pretty, pretty strong opinions about things and thought, hey, why not broadcast this to the masses? Well, I think there's also some evidence that suggests we fancy each other. <laughs> so, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't hide behind that. No, so No, no, we won't. Uh, you know, us Brad stick together. Yeah, not not literally, although it has been known at, at times. <laughs> uh so for those of you that don't have the benefit of being in the room uh with either of us, we're actually doing this uh via the medium of technology. So I'm actually staring down a screen making use of uh, video conferencing, so I can see uh, Canadian Brad or Flash, as I may refer to him. And I can't. I can't. You've got the nickname Flash, but I have. No, I know I was the one that gave it to you, but I cannot remember why. You know what? That um, that whole first meeting uh, was a bit of a, a haze, so I'm not sure I re- I quite remember either. But the name surely has stuck. Um, I didn't think it would. I didn't think it would stick. But <laughs> this uh, this little circle of common friends that you and I share have really uh, they've not let it go. So Brad or Flash it is, and you know I guess if we ever need to distinguish between the two of us, there we go. Yeah, well we we could we could rely on our good looks. Obviously that would distinguish <laughs> amongst us. I'll leave that to the listeners to decide. But you know, I think we both have a voice for radio or a face for radio. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Well we could uh if it ever gets to that if we get some feedback from from anyone who might be listening to this, we could do the old uh if you know, if you think your ego can handle it, we could put out the pictures and say vote. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's move on. (laughs) I think that's as good a segue as any um, to guess. You know, discuss what it is we 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 want to talk about here. Um, I think, like we said, fancied ourselves a couple guys with opinions and whatnot. For me personally, I mean, I just whether it's the news, uh, political news, or, you know, I'm really into science. I have a science background. So, you know, um, whether it's politics or science or any of these topics that are in, I think we're living in a very interesting uh, time, um, especially politically. But that's sort of the things that I enjoy talking about. And I've always enjoyed speaking with you about it, not only for the different perspectives, perspectives, perspective of us having grown up on different continents but also just your uh, 
pretty smart guy yourself and have uh, interesting takes on most of these things. Well, you know, it could be a lot worse. We could be in the US right now facing down the barrel of Donald Trump is our next president. I was, so. I was, you know, we would be, we would be fools not to, I guess, start with this. It's, <laughs> it's seemingly the topic that has the whole world buzzing and rightly so. It's, um, I, when I said we were living in interesting times, this is basically what I meant. I was commenting to my girlfriend, Teresa, the other day, just, you know, with I like, I like the way you're clarifying you have a girlfriend, just with some of the chat that we had earlier. Yeah, we're just dropping, we're just dropping it in yeah. there, if she does yeah. exist. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever seen that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, well, I was commenting with Teresa, if she does exist, that this is... Like, I've never in my life felt a political tension, you know, like a global political tension. Like, I imagine people that lived through the the Cold War would have something like this, you know. Like, I remember my dad's stories of, like, you know, um, I remember when we had to hide under the desks, you know, for bomb drills and, you know, just... And cover. Yeah, just that, that heightened tension sort of in the world. And, I mean, I don't think we're at Cold War level yet, Maybe we are, and we just, as a people, as a generation now, don't recognize how close we are. That's one way, but I honestly don't think we are at that level yet. But it is something, like, I've never experienced this in my life, you know? And with the recent events in the U.S., this um, shooting, this another terrible mass shooting, and the rhetoric that is now coming out of the Republican, now Republican nominee for president, it's... It's frightening stuff. Although I'm, I'm slightly surprised in the way that actually he seems to be towing more of a political line. I, you know, I half expect him to come out and start just bombing people. Really? Yeah, just because that's the impression that he's given. You know, it's, this is the guy that we're going to give launch, nuclear launch codes to. But he actually does. Okay, you know, he's come out with a few wild and wacky things, but he actually seems to be trying to be a politician about this, which I find incredible that he's actually started kind of towing to. Some of that, but still very scary. The fact that ultimately he's, he's there. Is that your uh, is that your phone or your doorbell? I think it was my doorbell. Let me uh, go and see what that is. Take take a minute, and we'll be right back. All right, you got the doorbell answered. Everything squared away. That just shows you how uh, how professional our 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 system here is. It was it was actually a neighbour coming to jump in on the uh, Trump debate. She she'd heard me. And she and she was like, I can't just leave this to this Canadian guy and this British guy. I've got to dive in here. Yeah. Well, you know what? This is this is the thing with this whole situation too. Is that everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. The Germans are talking about it. You know, everywhere you go, it's it has an opinion. To get back to a bit of the specifics of what you were saying of Trump, sort of you know towing the line a bit more. I mean. Some of the stuff that he said, right, or tweeted, I mean, I follow him on Twitter just because it's mind-blowing. Yeah, it's mind-blowing, you know, the shit that this guy says. But the the first things that he was saying after the shooting was not great. And, you know, his what really upsets me about it, and it's like, yeah, maybe he's starting to toe a bit of the line, but he's already been so divisive you know um with his with his language in terms of it's us against them it's 
It's Muslims against Americans. It's Mexicans against Americans, you know, and that's really that's really dangerous, I think, especially yeah. at this time where, you know, you have this really, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that are very emotional about, you know, this attack as you would expect but the minute that you then start saying hey you know whose fault it is yeah. or you know you know whose fault it is this this group of people over here so i think that's you know obviously really dangerous but i do agree with you in some sense that he's towing the line and i think that as the once the um democratic national convention is over and they have a candidate like for sure for sure i know it's it's hillary they're saying it's hillary and but bernie sanders is just you know hanging on there god bless him both in life but, and uh, in votes yeah 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 um i think you'll see it start to swing back towards the middle like both sides like the way that the american system works where you're you're fighting for the nomination just within your party People tend to really go crazy in pandering to the fringe elements of the party in order to win over the party. And then when yeah. they have to win the general election, they soften their stance. But again, can Trump soften from what he's already, you know, declared? Yeah, I'm not I'm not convinced he can. I think he's he's drawn a line in the sand. And as you said, you know, once you start labeling, well, it's them, it's them. It, no matter what you're talking, there's good and bad in all walks of life. So suddenly then to alienate an entire group, what are you hoping to achieve Achieve with that? You know, you can, you can lock all the borders, you can build a wall, but you're not, you're not ever going to stop it. So, you know, what's the next thing? Oh, okay. Well, somebody from Florida's had an incident, right? Well, we, you know, we're going to cut Florida off and that's no longer part of the United States. Where, where do you stop? Yeah, well, and I think that's I think that's a really good point because it's like once you run out of foreign scapegoats, you know, then yeah, then who is it? And I was listening to a really interesting um, podcast. The guy Dan Carlin, who does a really popular podcast, Hardcore History, um, he also does a sort of a, a common or um, a current events show, and I really like his takes on a lot of um, a lot of the American politics. He is an American, but he's got sort of wacky ideas and sort of outsider views on a lot of things. It's an interesting podcast called Common Sense uh, with Dan Carlin. If you want to check it out, but he was exactly talking about this: is that you know, as far as great empires go in history, they fall because of outside forces you know so a gang of countries getting together and taking them down or they tear themselves up from within right and he was saying you know like we're getting really close to that happening in the u.s like because you're getting to the point where you know they haven't even run out of the foreign scapegoats yet but there's still the violence that's going on in small pockets for sure at some of these rallies, whether it's, you know, the Trump rally and the Trump supporters getting on other people or, you know, Democratic, um, or mainly Bernie Sanders supporters. So they say, you know, getting on with the, the Trump guys. And how do you how do you walk back from that? Whoever wins the election, you know, so you you've riled up all this yeah. hate against people that, you know, it's not even that country versus us. It's people within our country our own country that we can't stand anymore like we and i mean the states they've had a civil war before you know so it's, i know that's 100 years ago but 
I don't know. I, it seems like it's, I'm not saying it's, it's there yet, but it is. You get to this point where, you know, say Trump wins or say Bernie wins or whatever. How do you walk back from, you know, the guy that two, you know, two weeks ago was your neighbor and had the Trump sign, you know, and was hollering all this stuff while you were, you know, hollering all the rest. And then you're supposed to just forget it all after the election and go back to, okay, well, I guess we're, you know, you're just Doug again from down the street, you know, it yeah, doesn't bury the hatchet, go have a beer and move on. Yeah, I, I guess it's also the division, you know, as you said, it's the internal piece, but then it's also, as history would show, it's who you then ally yourself with or get into bed with from that point. You know, the fact that, you know, the North Korean leader is now saying, well, Trump is a guy that I can talk to. <laughs> Surely that's got to be ringing some alarm bells out there. Not saying that, you know, he's going to jump into bed with him. But, you know, if then you start building alliances with nations or groups of people or organizations that, you know, a large part of your internal uh, population are in disagreement with, then, are, then you're heading on a slippery slope to some sort of internal struggle. Civil war may be a bit too far-fetched, but who knows in this uh, this day and age? Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's really interesting. I mean, I've 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 kind of said it before um, that I, I I did see. I mean, the states has had these kind of things before, where it was you know it was you know the civil war and then you know race riots you know in the sixties and the seventies um, and then you know the the hippies versus the establishment, you know, so they've kind of have this history and this sort of mentality of, you know, division or struggle or something like this. And they'd kind of said, oh, we're past all that. We're finally this unified thing. And I think that this is obviously showing the cracks in that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it's 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 really really interesting and it's kind of um i'm i wonder i haven't spoken with a lot of my my friends back in canada actually about this too much and i wonder how much i mean i'm sure people are paying attention to it there it's all over canadian news but i wonder if they're starting canadians are maybe starting to feel the heat a little bit in terms of like what does happen if this you know, our neighbor right down starts to go go down in flames, you know, because I mean, we're not the only country, Canada's not the only country that's really dependent yeah. on the US for a lot of things. I mean, the whole world will feel ripples from anything that happens in the US. But being right on the, the, the next door neighbor to the tire fire that would be, you know, I think it'll I th be interesting. Well, it'll be interesting if if you're picking up on any of it in the German media, the German press, but here in the UK, I think it, the way it's being portrayed is, and obviously the, the media here is is un, unbiased, but the way it's being portrayed is we're going from love him or hate him. And, you know, obviously I know he's not everyone's favourite, but you've got Obama that people see as actually, you know, an, in inverted commas, an honest and trustworthy politician, you know, somebody that's tried to do a lot of good and, you know, an intelligent guy, and then you've got the opposite end of the spectrum of Trump coming in. In in the the way it's being portrayed in the British media is, you know, wow, you know, how can you go from poles apart in the space of eight years? You know, is is Obama really that hated? And like, you know, I've got colleagues in the US that I speak to, and they're 
I would say very similar in their views to me, but they don't agree with what Obama's done. They don't believe that, you know, there should be a society where, you know, the the rich pay more taxes to like have those less fortunate, which for me is, you know, a little bit mind-blowing, but, you know, I respect their opinions. I don't live there. But it just seems amazing to me that, you know, we are going from one one pole to the other. And I think, you know, if if whoever is the president of the US is the leader of the free world, is the badge often gets thrown around, then does the international community get a vote? Because, <laughs> you know, if it, it is going to have an impact on on all of us. Well, I think I think that maybe the international community has a vote in terms of, you know, it's like what they say, you know, buying with your voting with your dollar, right? Like we don't, you don't have a direct vote in the in the election, but you know, the European Union or groups of other countries could start to band together and say, you know what, maybe we don't want all your bases army you know military bases in our country maybe we don't want you know maybe we'll start to walk back a bit from our dependence on you uh, as you start to decline and this is one thing that i think trump may have actually gotten right is his his view on on some of the foreign policy i mean this is a guy that let's remember is really hard to actually get a read on what he actually thinks policy wise because he seemingly is just saying whatever the hell comes to his mind and, you know, what's going to pander for more votes. But he does seem to have, and he has made a few comments that talk about, like, you know, walking back the interventionism in in the U.S. Yeah. Or in U.S. foreign policy. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's about time that the U.S. stops being the world police and that people are so dependent on on this, you know, because then... You know, you're seeing how dangerous it is, I guess, to put all your eggs in one basket. Um, but maybe that's how the international community votes is just saying, hey, you know what? Maybe we don't take your billions of dollars in aid, although that's really hard for some countries. They yeah. just don't. They have to do that. And then they're they're forced with doing kowtowing to whatever the U.S. says. But I mean, countries like like Germany, like the U.K., like some of the other European, you know, powers. I mean, this is. Granted, like hoping that the EU stays together, which we can wow. segue to the next one. But, you know, then you might actually, if you have a group of, of countries getting together, you might have something that maybe doesn't rival the U.S. militarily, but, you know, economically or, you know, can actually put enough pressure on them to be like, hey, listen, we're we're getting away from you guys. We're keeping our distance because this is too crazy. This is too much. And then maybe that just... You know, it's it's like a flipping of what the U.S. has done for years of applying some political pressure back onto them and saying, you know what, until you get your human rights or your rhetoric or all this other crazy shit that your president is saying, until you get that under control, we're just going to step back from the table on a few things. I think, yeah, I think it's, and I, you know, I, I do agree, you know, why should America be the world police? You know, not, not that I disagree that they shouldn't be, but... You know, why should one nation rule all the others? Um, obviously, when Britain was an empire, then, you know, long may that continue. But oh, it was it was totally different. Oh, yeah, it was obviously, it. obviously it's totally different. It was fine. Then it was all about tea. Yeah. It was just about tea. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. <laughs> um, but, yeah, do we do we take a step back from them doing that? But it, it, at what point do they take a step back? And are they willing to watch millions suffer or 
die or be tortured before that country then sorts itself out. And my worry is that that won't happen. The international community won't stand for that. So, But is that the opportunity for the international community to pull together and have a world police or whatever made up of different nations? But, but I mean, the US has never been... They've never really intervened for humanitarian reasons. Like, come on. Oh, like they really it's controversial. Next minute, you're going to be saying it's purely about oil. Flash. <laughs> Surely not. Or bananas or rubber or whatever the tea... <laughs> You know, whatever it is, let's let's be real here. A lot of the times, the powers in charge aren't aren't, aren't acting out of altruism. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a broad unless statement they, to make. In, unless they're unless they're you know forced to. I, yeah, I know I'm stating the obvious <laughs> here, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I just don't see it as like I, I I could see again listening to this this fellow Dan Carlin that I that I mentioned he kind of brought up some of those similar ideas and was saying, you know, this migrant crisis that the EU is facing right now actually shows that, you know, some of the European militaries, you know, maybe were caught off guard, like the Coast Guards and the navies were caught off guard with dealing with these ships and the rescue efforts and stuff like that, but have since really sharpened their, you know, response and stuff like that. And so it kind of shows proof of concept anyway that yeah you know what these countries can you know rise to the task in some of these areas if need be you know i mean how, and 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 that just gives you the you know again proof of concept that maybe the u.s doesn't need to be there all the time maybe they can back out um now when you have something like you know the threat from russia that some Eastern European countries are facing, they might not be ready to say, hey, yeah, you know what? Me and Lithuania and Ukraine and Poland, yeah, we're good enough. We'll just get together and we can handle it on our own. Don't worry, guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I guess that, yeah, and part of me was thinking of Russia. So when, um, obviously, there's been a spate of airline tragedies the last 12 months or so, but the one that was allegedly shot down by a, anti-aircraft missile that allegedly came from Russia or was supplied by Russia, then there was talk in Europe of, well, you know, effectively, if Ukraine were part of NATO, that's an attack on a NATO member. Therefore, the whole of NATO are legally obliged to respond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, you know, that gets scary. But then if you go back to the, the migrant piece with, you know, the Coast Guard being cut off watch, I think that's a great example of, Europe eventually, and they were terrible to start with, you know, to the detriment of people dying, which is horrendous. Eventually, Europe pulled together, and you know, now they're starting to work together. Whereas originally, it was all the individual states. Well, we're going to put up a fence, and we're just going to push them over the the border yeah. to the next country and pass the buck along. Whereas now they are starting to pull together. Now, you know, as we've already just alluded to, potentially later than this month, the UK vote is to whether they want to stay in Europe that then has a significant impact because obviously the UK does plough a lot of money into Europe and provide a lot of resource. So, yeah, it'll be interesting on a smaller scale to see whether that, you know, the UK vote is a representation of the US pulling back from greater things. Yeah, interesting times for the world ahead. Well, I wonder if the... uh 
I mean, I think it's a common thing. You can draw comparisons to what is happening in the U.S. I mean, the sentiment that, that people are feeling of like wanting to close the borders and wanting to kind of become more isolationist. Um, from what I gather in the, in the U.K., the, the argument for leaving the European Union is being framed around very similar, um, you know, arguments uh, against anti-immigration and, you know, sort of we can not tying ourselves to other people. Let's let's do this on our own. And I mean, similar sentiments are kind of coming in 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 European other European countries too. sort of the rise of this, you know, they're calling it the far right, you know, nationalist movement. So it seems to be something that's sweeping across across the board. And it's probably a, you know, perfect storm of factors, yeah. you know, the war in Syria, the migrant crisis, you know, economic um, issues, you know, since 2008 on that is sort of creating this, I guess, but it's kind of, it's, it's unsettling to see that when shit gets a little rough and sort of hits the fan, everyone's sort of jumping into their own boat and, you know, not, not rather than pooling together and rising to the challenge. But yeah, I think, I think the EU one will be an interesting one. So I'm, I'm not historically the biggest political brain and, and knowledge. And I don't really you take, don't say, yeah, you, you know, based on some of my comments today, that might surprise you. Um, <laughs> But of the last few months, for various reasons, been dragged in the the whole debate going on here in the UK regarding the EU referendum is an absolute shitstorm. To be honest, there's facts just being thrown out by either side, some of which may be true, some of which may not be. Um, whoever brings the facts out, the other people just tear them to parts so they're not true. Nobody really seems to know the implications of what would happen if we vote to leave. Um, it's yeah, it's just really interesting to me. You know, normally when there's an election or something, there's you know, here's our manifesto, and you know, we're going to plow this into education, we're going to make some savings here, and that will free up money for whatever. And the other side can test that, but there's usually some facts and give and take. Whereas this side, it just seems to be whoever shouts the loudest and makes out the most outrageous claims is going to get away with it. And I, my worry is that the average person on the street, and I put my hand up, I'm you know, I'm one of those average people are just going to listen to the facts that appeal to me and use that to cast my vote as opposed to delving in. Because there there isn't anywhere where you can go, I don't think, that I've found to get concise information. Every day through my letterbox, I'm getting like five or six different pamphlets from the Leave or the Remain campaign, all giving totally different world-apart views on what will happen. And I think ultimately it's going to come down to two or three key issues and I think one of them that you've you've touched on is the immigration piece um, and the, the average person on the street is going to say well no let's shut our borders and let's make Britain British again which to me doesn't work that's you know I, I believe we, there need to be some financial curtails on, on some of the immigration piece you know we'll, us like any other country isn't a bottomless pot of money so we need to manage that financially responsibly but conversely, we can't just shut the doors. That's that's just not going to work in this day and age. Um, no, I, I agree. I mean, we've already we're such a global society that you can't just pick and choose when you want 
to have movement and have, you know, we want, you know, to have access to your markets and everything else, but you can't come here. And it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I think we're, we're too far beyond that. I'm, I'm going to, this is going to have to be a bit of a short episode to, to start, you know, I have to run and integrate into German culture and, and watch the Euro 2016 uh, football match. And drink but beer think, and eat sausages, surely, if you're fully integrating into the culture. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I plan very much to have a bratwurst tonight and, <laughs> and at least a couple of those giant steins of beer. So. Good. Uh, I'm wearing lederhosen and well, you've, you've got the makings of a mullet there already. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I did want to just sort of, I don't know, I don't want to you know, put words in your mouth, I guess, and editorialize, but I really liked what you just kind of commented there on how the, you know, it's who shouts the loudest and that this yeah. this Brexit uh, campaign is, is seemingly devoid of facts and solid, you know, any sort of solid sustenance on, on either side. And I think that that's, again like you know wrapping it all up of like what you know Donald Trump I think embodies that you know he doesn't he doesn't have any substance he doesn't know what he's talking about he just says things and says outlandish things and is and is it's it's riding on emotion you know it's it's fueling emotion which is a not a great way to do your politics or to do anything really um, you know, obviously, there's a place for emotion in human society, but when we're making decisions, we gotta, you know, think about these things more. And it's interesting that, you know, we can. I think this sort of really sets the stage for sort of what this show is probably going to be talking about. And one of the reasons I think why we kind of started it was to, you know, maybe delve a little bit deeper ourselves, force ourselves to do that, so we, that we have something to talk about, and you know we can try and outwit and outsmart each other and sound smarter so that the listeners are, you know, on our side. But I think it's a good exercise and it seems more and more in the way of the world as, you know, people do. They just log onto the internet and they hear what they want to hear. They find the fact that reinforces their opinion and there you go. Yeah, what's what's the fact that I've seen banded around this week by uh, one of the managers of my company that the average human attention span is eight seconds you've got eight seconds to make that impression um and, and catch them and that's what they take away from it now what sorry exactly yeah um <laughs> whereas the average attention span of a goldfish the you know stereotypically always seen as the animal with the lowest attention span is actually nine seconds so we're actually a second below the goldfish but it is that sound but whoever shouts the loudest that's what you're going to remember and you go to cast your vote and that's going to make the difference well, that's this is where I think Brad, you and I can maybe uh, be a benefit to society with with our show here. What you mean? We'll, de- we'll we'll delve a little deeper. Oh, we'll, I thought you were going to say we just turn the volume up. Yeah, yeah, we could do that and too. just shout really loud, and then <laughs> we could be president. Yeah. Well, we need to. We need more. Okay, I'm making notes of this right now. More inflammatory inflammatory <laughs> remarks. Um, perhaps a touch more cursing, uh, and we need to we need to ostracize at least either one religious group or race of people. All right, I'm not so comfortable with that right now, but I could easily start with sports teams. Wow, that that moves us on perfectly 
very quickly. I'd love to get your view of what it's been like for a Canadian living through the start of the Euro 2016 football soccer to those Americans listening football tournament. Uh, and to get your impression of what's it been like, if you if you have much experience with it yet, or other than going okay. for a beer tonight, this is this is good. I'll uh, I'll use our last five minutes. Well, probably not all of it, but I'll I'll give you my impressions. Um, I was happy to see that amidst you know all this political stuff that we were talking about and the violence associated with it, I was happy to see the news in Europe shift to the good old soccer hooliganism. <laughs> hooliganism. <laughs> Uh, the English have arrived in France and are mucking it up with the uh, the Russians, although the Russians seem really hell-bent on taking the hooligan crown away from the English. Um, so I actually, yeah, so if you go back to the 80s, the English ruled the football hooligan world. You know, we were we were the kings of that. We dominated. There's a really interesting article on the BBC News the other day where they're interviewing, um, it was a member of the Russian government, it was an MP in Russia, and he was basically saying that... Uh, the new breed of Russian hooligans are stronger and fitter than uh, all that have gone before them, including the English. The English were their mentors, uh, but now they've honed it. But they also are stronger and fitter because they train in boxing and martial arts and they eat it's healthy insanity. and they're not fueled by alcohol. He said the problem with the Brits is they're only fueled by alcohol and therefore <laughs> they drunk and they can't run away and they fall asleep mid hooliganism. So I thought, really? Yeah, I uh, I read a very similar piece. Um, so you know what? Good for them. They lost to Slovakia, so they might even be out uh, of the of the tournament within the first stages. So we might not even get to see the true, you know, how how hooligany they could really be had if they made it to the final. But th- let's remember too that this is just a warm up for them for when they host the World Cup in twenty eighteen. Yeah, I don't think any fans will be traveling to Russia uh, to to enjoy the games. But my other impression of of Euro twenty sixteen so far is it's in Canada we obviously get really passionate about hockey, and you see it. You don't see the level of you know well, that, hooliganism that, well, that, and stuff. Well, like, no, you normally see that on the ice. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe that's why is it's it's the fighting gets done on the ice, but it is a different level of fandom I think here. And no disrespect to Canadian fans, it's a different thing, you know. Like, but when you when you go to a, a, a hockey game and uh, I almost said a hockey match, I'm becoming European. This is ridiculous. Um, you know, in the playoffs or something, it's loud. It's really loud. It's crazy. But I mean, you get maximum, you know, seventeen, twenty thousand people. What I've seen here in, you know, I haven't been to the stadiums yet, but just the vibe of it, it's it's just on such a bigger, bigger scale. And it doesn't matter what game, people are invested. They're they're crazy. They're they're loving it. I love how it's sort of taken over just the everyday life i was in budapest a couple days ago the hungarians were playing you know even when the hungarians weren't playing every every restaurant had a tv pulled out onto even if it was just on some rickety looking cart (laughs) out onto the sidewalk people were were gathering around it's like non-stop coverage i know you know there's probably some people out there that are just like you know was this really money well spent you know sports and it's corrupt and the rest of it but you know what I think it's a blast. I think it's great. I can't. I really hope Germany moves on uh, a couple rounds Ooh. because 
hey, I'm here and I want to experience it. I want to see it firsthand. If it was anything like the, the Hungarians after they beat Austria yesterday or two days ago, that was a sight to see. And I, I guess before we started, you, you did fill me in. It might have something to do with Hungary being what the most... They consume the most alcohol think, in, the, think, in the EU. I think, I think they're second to the, the Czech Republic of alcohol per capita. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that could have something to do with it. But, you know, as the Russians said, you know, the Brits are fueled by alcohol as well. So, you know, we're not going to be left behind. <laughs> well, um, I'm, excited to, I'm excited to get out there and experience it. And when we, when we get together next... I'll I'll report back as to as to how it's going and how I'm finding if I've completely assimilated or not. I'd definitely be interested to to hear your take on it to see uh, how you how you feel. It, football isn't my my favourite sport, it, but it is definitely a sport that does pull everyone together. And when you bump in, you know, when I travel the world and you get into a taxi. I don't speak any other language other than English or American. Someone said that's a different language altogether. But you get into a taxi, and I remember getting into a taxi in Italy once, and the, the, the driver didn't speak a word of English, I didn't speak a word of Italian, but we somehow had this conversation about the World Cup that was going on at the time, <laughs> and how Italy were doing terribly, but England were doing even worse. <laughs> Yet somehow we got through that 20-minute journey, we, we both understood, or at least I hope I understood, um, what we were saying. So it is, yeah, it is a sport that crosses all borders, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And with that, I'm going to have to run. So, hey, you know what? This is first episode. I thought we, you know, touched on things and, you know, maybe set the tone. Yeah. I imagine it's going to change a lot where every every day is going to be different. So, yeah, and I would if people if people listening don't didn't like this. Well, you know, screw you. You can find another podcast. Well, yeah, that said, or, you know, feel free to reach out to us. We're both on Twitter. So uh, my Twitter handle, Bradley W. Hayes, all uh, all one word, you know, be polite in your feedback. Give some feedback. And uh, Flash, I know you're on Twitter. Do you want to give your handle? Yeah, yeah. I'm at B. Van Paradon, all one as well. Um, yeah, no, 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 we'd love to get some, we get some feedback and and like I said, we're, I I think the topics are going to be wide ranging and diverse on here. So we're going to try and dig a little deeper and maybe find the weird stuff too. I got, uh, I got a head transplant story that I'm waiting to drop on you. So that's something I'd love to see over the uh, medium of Skype that we're using right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my friend. Um, I will see you next time. Take care and enjoy tonight. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. Cheers. Cheers.